What's up, everybody? I'm back. In case you were wondering, I know it's been a while. I took some time off, one reason or another. Been doing some thinking for a while, but I'll get into that throughout this podcast. But just sit down. It's um, Sunday, the 29th of August. Man, I didn't go back and look and see how long it's been since I recorded a podcast, but it's been a little too long, and I apologize for that. Not sure if you're aware, but in the meantime, I have recorded a few with my cousin Harry on his podcast channel. It's called Eskimo Bros 69 Podcast Network. You know, podcasting is one of those things that, well, I'll get into, I'll get into all this. I forgot. This is the intro. Welcome to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and a lot of things on my mind. So I'd come here about once a week or two or six or seven to get them off my chest. You don't have to agree with me, but we could still be friends. Normally the show's about 30 or 45 minutes. Today might run a little bit long because I feel like I've got lots of talking to do. So sit back, relax, and hand me the remote control for about the next 30 to 45 minutes, maybe even longer. forgive me everybody please forgive me i think we're going on seven weeks no podcast and i know i'm well aware that the fastest way to kill your podcast is to be inconsistent i'll take my licks like a big boy and move on down the road so i'm gonna try again i'm gonna be a little bit more consistent this time i've had a lot going on but i know that's no excuse because a podcast only takes two hours out of my week but I still find time to fill my time with other things, if you know what I mean. So in order to keep tabs on where I've been in terms of podcasts and what I talked about last, I went back and looked at my notes. And I realized that the last time I podcast was right after the Bitcoin conference in Miami. And so quite a bit's happened since then in the world of cryptocurrency. Uh, the price has been going crazy lately. I know you people get sick of hearing me talk about crypto, but I only do it for your own good. Well, that, and I like to brag a little bit. <laughs> I like to remind people that I've been telling you this since 2013. You know, I bought Bitcoin when they were $500 a piece. People thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. Here we are now, it's right around 50000 So it's gone from five hundred to 50000 in about eight years. And... and I've got a friend of mine who we, we kind of share investment strategy a little bit and we talk about what we're doing and he's well aware of my Bitcoin position. I mean, throughout the years, every year or so he would say, Hey, you still got your Bitcoin. And that's what I'm, I'm finding is that people for the longest time, you still got that Bitcoin. You still have that. Yep. 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 I still have some, Oh man, should I buy some? Everyone wants to know if it's too late. If it's too late, the answer is no, it is not too late. I said that one is 12,000. I'm saying it when it's 50000 
You guys think I'm kidding. Or you think I, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But going back to my friend, who, <laughs> you know, I've been telling him for eight, nine years, whatever. Dude, you need to buy some. You need to buy some. It's just going to go up. So I was talking to him the other night, and this guy's pretty well-to-do. He's done well for himself. He's a hard worker, has his own business. Money comes to him. You know, he's an honest guy. And he said the other day when we were talking, if it drops back down to, to 30000 I, I might just throw 5000 in it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, if, if we can't use the last eight years as a predictor, then what are we doing? Like, we have eight years of solid gains, thousands of percentage of gains. And what if people just think it's going to stop going up? It, my estimate is that about... 10% of the world, or, or at least the U.S., about 10% of the U.S. actually understands cryptocurrency, knows what it is, is invested in it, has faith in it. And, and a lot of people, you know, the, the crypto douchebags, they, they get a, a bad rap for a reason. There's a lot of them out there. But the blockchain technology is what's pushing crypto. And it will keep pushing crypto because it's more efficient than the systems that we have now. And I've explained blockchain technology multiple times, so I'm not going to go into it. And most definitely, I'm not giving financial advice. But I am saying that I don't expect Bitcoin to do anything but go up in the long term. So yes, it's volatile. It moves around. That's going to happen until we can get things sorted out. And maybe one day, something will come out that will kill it. But it's going to take a lot. You know, these massive bank institutions are now holding it. J.P. Morgan. Fidelity. Fidelity came out the other day and they said they think it'll hit 100000 by the end of the year. That's four months. That would mean that your investment would increase by four times between now and the end of this year. Who knows? Maybe they're wrong. Maybe Fidelity has a bunch of idiots that are making predictions that don't really know what they're doing. I don't think so. I think they've got some pretty smart people behind the scenes that are looking at this and they're making decisions. There's been tons of models that have continued to predict it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to go up indefinitely. Um, maybe prices will stabilize, but it's like gold. I think it's just going to be a volatile instrument of store value for, for now to eternity until the blockchain gets destroyed or something better comes along. As of right now, the network that Bitcoin runs on, which is the blockchain, its own ecosystem, there's tons of blockchains out there. There's only one for Bitcoin. But that Bitcoin ecosystem, the world's biggest computer network, never gone down and never been hacked. So all these stories you hear about things being hacked, the actual Bitcoin itself has not been hacked off the blockchain. It's people that are careless with their wallet passwords. So it's where they're storing them that's getting hacked. And that's because people are making bad decisions. And probably a lot of them don't really know. They don't know what to do with it. So... And a common question is, well, what happens when someone does create a computer with enough power to hack it? And my response is, if they create a computer that powerful, there's easier things to hack. So, yeah, crypto has been going crazy lately. Um, I'm going all in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing money. I'm putting it in there. You know, and I'm kind of like, it's either go, go big or go home. Like, I don't, uh, I don't really have a lot to lose. I'm not going to sacrifice my standard of living. But if I can leverage assets to invest it, then it would be foolish not to. Because one day we're going to look back and we're all going to say, I wish I would have put more. I'm already saying that right now. And I'm, I got a pretty nice position. I don't know many people who bought earlier than me. 
And of course I'm saying I wish I would have bought more. So don't be that person. You know, I've talked about it for who knows how many episodes. And I've had one person that actually went out and bought some and contacted me and, and said, what, else, what other crypto should I buy? I have a little Coinbase portfolio that I just put like a little bit of money in, a couple hundred bucks here, a thousand bucks there, whatever, I have, any savings that I have goes into it. And it's, it's quadrupled in four weeks, just four weeks. So it's going to go back down, but I could cash out right now and be up 4X on my investment. So you can do the math. I'm just here to help. Go buy some crypto. If you have questions, ask me. I'll give you my opinion, but not advice. That's all for that. And now for the favorite topic, everyone's favorite topic that we all thought we were done with this topic, but no, 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 we're not. That's the COVID and the mask and the vaccines. And I'm going to just give my opinion to let you know where I am on things. And I want everyone to make their own decision about everything. I don't think I've never told, nor will I ever tell someone whether or not they should get vaccinated. And I'm sick and tired of people one way or another telling everyone what to do. What happened to this being a free country where we can make our own decisions? And then we as a people have to suffer the consequences if we make bad ones. This is part of the downfalls of being free, is that you get to make bad decisions. So my thoughts are as follows. I still stand behind the idea that masks are not very effective. I would think 10 to 15% effective if I had to guess. I'm no smart man, but that's what I think. I also don't understand why people are still requiring the mask if we're vaccinated. Well, because you can still spread it. Then, then why get vaccinated? So you don't get it? Okay, so you don't get it? If you get vaccinated, no, you can still get it. Okay, so then why get vaccinated? Because if you get it, it's not as bad. Okay, so get the shot because it's not as bad if you get it COVID and you still need to wear the mask even if you're indoors. In some states like Oregon, they're mandated that you still wear masks outdoors. So without going into all the details about the mask and what I think, everyone knows what I think. Just, just remember this. The Washington Post posted an article that said you are more likely to die from a lightning strike than you are from COVID if you've had the vaccine. Okay? So that's, that's probably pretty good odds that you're not going to die from COVID if you've had the vaccine. So we can pretty much say if you've had the vaccine, you're not going to die. I understand there's anecdotal evidence, but we have to speak in general statistics. But people still feel the need to wear a mask. Okay, that's fine. You can wear your mask. But think about this. How many people do you see carrying umbrellas when it's raining? What do umbrellas do? They increase your likelihood of being struck by lightning because you're holding a metal rod up in the air. So I wonder how many people use umbrellas in lightning storms that also wear masks after being vaccinated. Because those two actions are hypocritical. Or, or, or they don't, uh, statistically, they're inverse. Or, or, or should I say, intellectually, they're, they're, they're misaligning. Because if the goal is to keep yourself safe in one scenario, the two actions are, se- are, are opposite. One of them is increasing your risk. The other one is not helping your risk. But So you're willing to put the lightning rod up in the air, and you might get struck by lightning. That's, you're, it's more likely that you'll get struck by lightning. It even increases more when you put the metal rod in the air. I think you get the idea. So if you wear a mask and you've been vaccinated, 
you shouldn't go outside when it's raining because that would that would follow the same logic. If you're scared of dying, then you're scared of dying, and you need to take all the precautionary measures to, to make sure you don't put yourself in a position where you might die. So going in a lightning storm, going outside when it's raining, puts you at higher risk of dying than COVID after vaccinations. So why would you wear a mask? I don't know. I don't know. I also think it's funny how cases have gone through the roof recently. There's no denying of that. And, and every business has been able to remain open in Texas. Everyone's doing their things. People are still shopping if they want to shop. And it's fine. We're still dealing with supply chain issues from when we shut down the economy. We're going to be for the next year or two. You ever seen a new car lot? You ever seen one lately? There's no new cars on them. You see what the prices of TVs have done? When was the last time TVs went up in price? It's been a long time. It's, it's typically when there's some new technology that comes out, they're more expensive. And then as time goes on, the price goes down. TVs have gone up 25% in the last six months. Why is that? Because we can't get chips. We can't get parts. Why is that? Because we shut everything down during COVID. It's been from the very beginning that I've been adamant that it's not the virus that's going to hurt us. It's the economic impact. I still stand by that sentiment. I think people should get the vaccine if they want to. I think people should wear masks if they want to. I don't think we should impose actions on anyone. We shouldn't tell people what they should do. We don't tell them what to do with their money. We don't tell them what to do with their kids. We don't tell them what to do with their vehicles. We don't tell them what to do with their bodies. We let them get tattoos. We let people get abortions. But people want to tell everyone what they should or shouldn't do. And so I'm no longer going to tell you guys or anyone, anyone else, whether or not I've had the vaccine, I'm going to get the vaccine. Who knows? You guys will never know because I'm not against the vaccine. My stance hasn't changed. I said I wouldn't rush out and get it. I'd never said I wasn't going to get it. I may or may not have gotten it. Who knows? I think it's funny how we just all this HIPAA, we just threw all the HIPAA rules out the window and we feel comfortable walking up to someone and asking them, so did you get the shot? Did you get the vaccine? Did you get the jab? Did you do it? You should do it. You're going to do it, right? You're going to do it. You should do it for everyone else. Shut up. Could you imagine if I walked up to a girl? I was like, hey, you on birth control? What kind of birth control are you on? What do you think about it? You like it? Does it work well for you? Oh, I, I wouldn't use that kind if I were you. No, we don't. We don't do that. You know why? Because your medical decisions that you choose are for yourself and you don't have to share them. So stand up to the bullies who demand that everyone rush out and get vaccinated at the drop of a hat. Stand up to them because it's not cool. And I know there's people out there saying, oh, it's not cool. It's not cool. So it's cool if everyone dies. Hey, hey, hey. Everyone doesn't die. A tiny, tiny, tiny portion of people die. Stop telling people what to do. Stop making rules. We don't need any more rules. We need freedom. Remember, we left the United Kingdom in the 1700s because we wanted more freedom and they had rules. Nothing's changed. We still want freedom. We're supposed to want freedom. You want socialism? You want someone making rules for you? Move somewhere else. We have the ability to travel around the world. We could go live in the most socialized countries ever and just, just be lazy. Be as lazy as you want to and get the universal basic income and, and work one year and then take four years off and just and live like a pauper. If that's what you want to do, go for it. I would encourage that. Chances are the types of people who want socialism are the types of people who don't contribute much to society. 
You know, we, America is the only place that I've been to or that I can think of that has groups of people who are strains on society and we pretend like it's not happening. We turn a blind eye. We take the blame for them. We don't hold them accountable. Why? How did we get to this point? Every other country in the world, they identify the people who strain their society. And if you think that there's people out there that don't take advantage of the systems we have, you need to wake up. Wake up. People do it every day. They know how many kids to have. They know the minimum amount of time that they need to work at a job before they can get unemployment. They know exactly what to say to the person who's interviewing them to see if they can get a free phone from the, from the Obama phone program, which I have a hard time saying Obama phone without saying Obama phone. It's a, it's a video clip. Here, right here, listen. Wait, let me give you the backstory first. So reporter shows up at a, at a protest. Uh, Obama, pro, or, they were protesting against Mitt Romney, who was running against Obama. And so they interviewed this fine young lady, and here's what she had to say. Only 45 seconds. Obama! You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland know minority got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? Keep Obama he gave us a president. phone. He gave you he a phone? How'd he give you a phone? You, you shine up if you're, you're on full steps, you're on social security, you got low income, you disability. Hey, I have a question. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Hey! So yeah, what do you think about Romney? He sucks bad. So that's been the long-running joke. Uh, yeah, keep Obama in president. You know, <laughs> keep him in president. He gave us a free phone. Why else would we not keep him in president? You got your phone, Obama phone. <laughs> oh man. You know what? The internet is such a great place sometimes. But going back to my point, you know, we, we pretend like we have this group of people that, that don't take advantage of the systems. And they're, I mean, they, they do, they take advantage of the system. They're riddled with crime. They don't take care of their children. They're, they're a huge strain on our society. And who knows? May, maybe the solution is we just, we give them enough money to where they don't have to work. And they could just stay home. And give them enough money where they don't commit crimes. You know, maybe, maybe that's a solution. I don't know. But to pretend like those groups aren't here is just silly. It's silly. I mean, I know there's people out there that will say, well, yeah, people take advantage of the system. But there's just, there's not many of them. There's not many of them. I disagree with that. And if you disagree with what I say, then we'll just have to agree to disagree. Because if you go to certain neighborhoods, you can figure out how to beat every system. You can find black markets. You can buy food stamps from people. You can trade cigarettes for things. I mean, our systems, it's like I always say, it's not the people who take advantage of the systems we should be upset with. It's people who create these systems but don't put checks in place to keep them from being taken advantage of. Every single system whereby someone benefits that's run by the government gets taken advantage of. Why? Because they don't have an incentive to make sure the money doesn't get taken advantage of. Government employees make decisions for what's best for their and their job environment and what they do daily and whether or not they can get reelected. And that's really, that's it. 
whether people take advantage of something, no one wants to be the bad guy to protect the government's money. Man, they can just, on a personal level, if someone can just hand out government money, they would love to be in that position. But it's just like the guy who sleeps on his mom's couch and takes advantage of him. Except it's not mom's money, it's Uncle Sam's money, which is like no one's money that's being taken advantage of. My whole point is we have to focus on freedom. We have to focus on, and, and you know what? Freedom isn't always comfortable. It's not always easy. It's not always the most simple route. But it's the way to create the best environment for everyone. I truly believe that. It'd be different if we were sitting on mountains of gold and the government had unlimited resources and they could just sell gold every time they needed money and they could just pump it into the economy, but that's not the case. The government is wasteful, inefficient, and anyone who disagrees, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, these people out here that think we should pay more in taxes just because people make more, do they think the government is a good steward of money? Do they think that the government was efficient, that the, that the amount that they take in is close to being equal to the amount that goes out? Where do we find those numbers? Where do we see how much money went into the government versus how much money went out of the government? Oh, wait, we know. It's negative every year. The government loses money. They go backwards. If a business, if the government was a business, it, it would have been out of business so long ago. But we just go on about our way. I think people should be grateful for freedom. And if they don't like it, they can go. They can go somewhere else. It's my opinion. You already knew that. You've heard this so many times. And I appreciate you listening again. One more thing, and then I'll drop this. The only thing besides basic infrastructure and defense against foreign invasion and defense against domestic terrorism, the, one of the only things that the government should provide is just make sure that opportunity is there. Because if, if anything more than opportunity is given, it becomes a, a, a state of socialism or, or the government gets to pick who benefits, right? If everyone can't benefit from something, then the government gets to decide who benefits and who doesn't. It's, it's, it's picking winners and losers. Every time a law is enacted, every time a bill is passed, Someone wins and someone loses. Remember, money isn't created. It's finite. Well, it's supposed to be finite, right? In an ideal world, money's not created. It's just transferred back and forth and moved around. And so when the government imposes a new regulation or a new law, it, that affects the way that money moves. Someone will end up making more. Someone will end up making less. And what really sucks is that people who are making these laws that affect businesses and individuals have never been on the side of the business. They've never run a business. They've never owned a business. They don't understand the struggles. Let me just give you an example. I know I'm rambling, but that's okay. It's my podcast. I'm do whatever I want to do. We recently received a personal property tax bill from the county. Okay? This is the first time we've gotten one. It was our first full year of operations. So they sent us a tax bill for $80,000. Okay? So according to them... We had $3 million worth of equipment or personal property in the brewery. So I got that. We got the bill, and we just laughed at it. We thought, what, what are these people, what do they think? Like, they think we're just making money hand over fist. We're barely staying afloat, okay? We had to borrow tons of money to get through COVID. We're paying off those loans. They're going to hand us a bill. They, they say we have $3 million worth of equipment in there. We have maybe 400000 500000 Hey, we ask them. 
where, where did you guys come up with this number? Well, um, um, there's another brewery in town, and um, we, um, we valued their equipment at a million and a half, and uh, you, you're double that. So um, where did you get that million and a half number? Well, um, those tanks, those big um, silver shiny um, tanks that you have, um, th- we have those at um, like $38,000 a piece, and you have 10. <laughs> what are you smoking? We have like six of them, and they range in price from 15000 to 25000 so go ahead and do your math again and send us the bill for about one-fourth of what you sent it. So they go back to the drawing board and they say, okay, we're going to cut it in half. Um, we're going to value it at a million and a half. Um, on what grounds? Well, that's just what it is. <laughs> so you think we can just scratch a check for $40,000? That's hilarious. You, you same schmucks who asked us to close down because COVID was so big and so scary. And so... For an entire year, we're scrambling trying to keep the light bill paid. At the end of that year, you're going to hand us a bill for $80,000? Like, if I could slap that person in the face and then rewind time so that it never happened, I would. I would. I would like to sit them down in my chair at my desk and say, you run this brewery for three weeks and then tell me how we're going to produce $80,000. You idiot. You, you couldn't manage a popsicle stand. You've never run a lemonade stand. And you just want, just, just, oh, well, all businesses, business owners are just so rich. They just make so much money owning businesses. People, you people. Okay, and now you know how I feel about the government, in case you didn't. Speaking of discomfort, I've recently learned that I have an addiction. I have an addiction to good sleep. I realized that I had never really experienced good sleep, or at least not for a long, long time. So I had a pretty bad case of sleep apnea. It was getting so bad that I wasn't sleeping well throughout the night. And I didn't really realize it except for the next day or, you know, throughout the day. Of course, the day I was just being, I was getting more tired and more tired and I'd have to come home after work and take a nap. And then finally I said, you know what? I got to get the sleep apnea thing under control. I was fighting to stay awake during the day and I was fighting to stay asleep at night. And so I called up the sleep center I said, look, here's the deal. I don't have insurance. I need to get the sleep apnea mask. Everyone I've talked to said it's great. I should have done it a long time ago. I need to come figure it out. Okay, well, the Texas Workforce Commission has a program for self-employed people who they may cover all or a part of the cost of this whole study and the machine and everything. I said, great, where do I start? So I signed up for the program and they said, okay, cool. Here, we're going to pay for your first sleep study. So I go to the the office and let me just like these sleep study clinics. I think they're making money hand over fist. I know, (laughs) I know, I know what you're thinking, but I do think they are. I ran through the business model in my head, but either way I went to the sleep clinic. They hooked me up to all these wires and everything. And I thought, man, I'm not going to be able to sleep in some strange bed. So I finally, I go there nine o'clock to hook me up to everything, toss and turn, finally fall asleep. I woke up 3.30, 4 o'clock, and they said, okay, you can go. We've got, you know, we've got six hours of sleep. And I said, how did it look, or what do you tell? And they said, oh, you've got severe sleep apnea. You're waking up, like, I don't know, 30 times an hour or something, like never really getting sleep. And I was like, oh, man. So they scheduled me to come back. And the, the next appointment, they hooked me up to the mask and all the wires and sensors and everything. And I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to sleep with this thing in my nose and all these sensors hooked up to me. 
And so they just hooked me up, and then I go to sleep. They turn the lights off, pitch black, dead silence. I didn't wake up till the next morning at like seven o'clock. I slept for nine hours, and I woke up. I was like transported from a different dimension. I didn't know where I was. I was like super groggy. I felt like I had just come out of surgery. And the guy was like, dude, you did awesome. I was like, what do you mean I did awesome? He's like, you fell asleep and didn't move an inch. He goes, your body is so exhausted. And I was like, yeah, I feel like, like I woke up and I was like, dude, that is amazing. And how will I ever sleep without that? Because so the minute you finish the, the study, it's not done yet. They got to get the doctor to sign off. They got to get this to happen. So fast forward to like two weeks after I'd done the sleep study and, and I'm still tossing and turning all night, not sleeping good, exhausted during the day, trying to work out, working out four times a week now. And I just, I was getting so frustrated because they couldn't get this system sorted out. I said, look guys, I've got to get this thing. Like, let me come pay for it. And the Texas workforce commission had to go through their protocol to see if they were going to pay for it. All said and done, they said, okay, we're going to pay for half of it. I said, that's fine. Sign me up. So I go there, I buy the thing. I've been using it every night and I am addicted to it. Like if you ever have a doubt that you have sleep apnea, it's worth to go to one of these places and get the study done. Because if you have it, and and I, I used to think, oh man, there's no way I could sleep. You know, I sleep on my face. There's no way I could have a mask on. Well, there's so many different types of masks now that they have one that's called the uh, nasal something rather pillow or something. And it, it just barely goes on the inside of your nose and I could sleep just like normal. And I'm telling you, I go to bed, I wake up six, seven hours later in the exact same position. I feel rested. I have more energy. I end up doing chores that I would put off. I mean, it has been a life changer. So I'm a huge fan of these things. Um, I would be interested to see if someone who didn't have sleep apnea would benefit from it, but who knows? Who knows? It's, it's amazing. I will forever sing their praises. There are some things that are frustrating about it. Like it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's just so, so worth it. So that's my story with a sleep apnea mask. Speaking of stories, I mentioned on the last podcast, I think that my buddy Wojtek was going to move here from Nicaragua, the Polish guy. And he's here. And uh, we've teamed up. He's starting a, or I guess we, he, whatever, a landscape maintenance business. So that's one reason why I hadn't been podcasting on Sundays. We've been running around buying equipment and trailers and truck, lawnmowers and weed eaters and blowers and getting everything situated. So it's been quite the the rodeo. Um, The truck that we bought has already died and the repairs were going to cost more than the truck. So now we have um, another guy that's going to partner up, and he's going to use his truck to pull the trailer around. So it's kind of turned into a little rodeo. It'll be fine. Wojtek is a hard worker, and he's already been hustling. I think he's already got four or five uh, full-time clients over the last week and a half. So it'll be fine, but there will be more stories to come. So the Wojtek is here. He's staying in a little guest house that I have. He's got his dog, Luna. It's a little beagle. Uh, more energy than a Malinois, I would say, or, or lots of Malinois, a crazy little beagle who could use lots of training, but that's a different story, you know? It's a different story. I'm not going not gonna to go there. But I understand that a lot of people don't like training dogs, so I kind of get it, kind, kind of, kind of. But uh, it's been cool having him around. You know, I, I've always, um, 
been a man of my own space. Was an only child growing up with a single parent, so I'm used to being alone. I kind of like my alone time. But he's been here, and it's been good. We've been working out. You know, he's a mixed martial arts trainer. So I'm back on the bag, kicking, punching, everything. I think I've lost about 20 pounds since he's been here. Uh, so, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. The Wojtek is here. And it's cool to see someone from a country like Poland, and he's, he's experienced, you know, living in Nicaragua and a bunch of third world countries. Um, it's cool to see how much he appreciates the opportunities and freedoms that we have here. You know, he's telling me that in Poland, you can uh, you go to jail for riding your bike drunk. You spend a year in jail for riding your bicycle after drinking, you know. So they're very strict on rules. And he doesn't, uh, he's not blind to the fact that we have lots of freedom. And he appreciates it. And he understands that it comes with risk. But the tolerance is worth it. You know, it's worth it to put up with it. So he's, um, he's a Polish guy by birth, but Texan by choice. He's, he's more Texan than a lot of Texans I know. Let's just put it that way. And next month... I'm taking him dove hunting to my buddy Gerald's uh, ranch or his deer lease. So we're going to go out there, do a little dove hunting, do a little brain cell killing and some pigs as well. I'll have to report back. Maybe we'll podcast from out there. Who knows? Nothing else. I'll, uh, I'll sit him down and talk to him about it afterwards. But that's like uh, sometime middle of September. I do want to touch on something about the vaccine that I forgot to talk about. I almost wholeheartedly believe that had Trump won the election in 2020, that all of the left would be refusing the vaccine and all of the team right would be taking the vaccine. And I know a lot of people will disagree with that because they feel like their, their mind is made up and it's fundamentals. But I really feel like that is how manipulated we are by the, by the political circus and the, and the media like social media, I my cousin Harry uh, texted me. He's like, you know, social media is, I don't know, it's incredible how much propaganda they spread. They're the most efficient propaganda distributor there is. And I agree. People read it on social media, and all of a sudden it's the gospel. And there's no other way. And there's no compromise. And the politicians have now figured out that they can use social media to divide us. And as long as we're divided, we won't turn on them. It's, it's kind of a brilliant move on their part. If I could figure out how to do it from a business standpoint, I, I would. I think about it all the time. Imagine if you were a business and half the people loved you and half the people hated you, but everyone fought about you all the time and everyone talked about you. Everyone knows your name. Everyone knows what you stand for. Whether they like you or not, they can, they can talk about you. You know, that's a very, very powerful position to be in. So I don't know. I'll keep racking my brain. You know, normally it takes some sort of something that's edgy or risky to, you know, but, but, but to have loyal followers like politicians do, man, they are, they are manipulation masters. And that's, that's the reason why they're politicians. It's not because they're great leaders. You think Joe Biden's a good leader? Yeah, do you? I know you hate Trump. I get that. I know you don't like Trump. But tell me how much you like Joe Biden. You don't. You don't. You were never a Joe Biden fan. I don't care if you voted for him or not. You were never a fan. You never thought he's a good leader. You never thought he would make a great president. You, no one ever thought that. But yet, 
what he want 81 81 million votes but they can't really defend him they all they do <laughs> all they do is say yeah but he stutters i mean the guy is an absolute embarrassment and i know you think the same thing about trump and yeah trump was embarrassing he definitely was embarrassing i will say he was a leader he's a leader not the leadership style that i respect uh not the leadership style that i would want to be known for but he's a leader so was Genghis Khan. So was Hitler, right? They were all leaders. They had followers. All it takes to be a leader is you have followers. And so that's what Trump was. Biden is not a leader of any sort. He has no followers. And to me, we should not have someone who is not a leader leading the country because he probably gets manipulated, right? I mean, if we can admit he's not really a leader, we know he's been in politics for what? 60 years, something like that. You don't think he owes anybody any favors? Yeah, of course he does. You don't think he owes countries favors? Of course he does. This is why he can't really take a stand on anything. This is why he just gets up there and reads the card. Barely. He can barely read. I mean, Kamala's no better, you know? I remember when everyone was like... Impeach Trump. You have to impeach Trump. He's so mean. He's so orange. He's so silly. You have to impeach him. I was like, oh, yeah, you big Mike Pence fan, are you? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel now. What, are we going to impeach Biden and let Kamala lead the way? The old witch cackler? The old, the old person who got kicked out of the Democratic primaries before the Iowa caucus? Great job, Democrats. Great job picking you're so concerned on picking a winner. You're so concerned on winning that you're willing to put someone in the place who's not a leader. That should tell you right there what's driving our political arena. It's not, it's not our country. It's not the, the well-being of the citizens. It's my team over yours. It's ones and zeros. You're either with me or against me. If you're against me, I hate your guts. That's how it is. And I don't think things will ever go backwards. I think we're, um, we, will, we will hold this path until we split. That's my guess. Who knows when it will be, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years? I don't know. But we'll go through another split up. I don't know what will happen with the military. There's too many unknowns. But that's just my guess. Speaking of wars, Houston and Shreveport, I read a statistic this morning. Oh, Harry sent me a, an article that Shreveport murders have gone up 1,000%. Here, let me just pull up the article here. So this is from Arklatex, which is um, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas. It's an area where all three states kind of come together. So arklatexhomepage.com. I, I don't know what this is. I assume it's some news organization. But according to KTAL, City of Shreveport's latest crime report for the month of March shows homicides were up 1,000% over the same month last year and 120% for the first three months of 2021 compared to 2020. So whatever reason, you can blame COVID, you can blame whatever. It's not their fault. It's not their fault they're criminals. It's not their fault they think it's okay to kill people. You can, you, can, you can call it whatever you want to. The fact of the matter is we relaxed all these laws because of COVID. We, they're not booking people. They're not trying people. They're not committing people. And, and if you think that word doesn't get out amongst criminals, 
you're just you're being silly because they go tell each other, dude, I just got caught. I was robbing a car. I was driving the stolen car. They pulled me over and they let me go. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. You know, it, those types of people that don't have any moral compass, like the only thing that's stopping them from doing nefarious things is the chance that they might get in trouble. And if you take away that chance they're going to get in trouble, what's to stop them? Same thing's happening in Houston. Convicted criminals, convicted, dangerous, even murderers, people, out, people that are out on probation or parole, they do something bad, the cops grab them, they detain them for 10 minutes, they let them go because they're not processing criminals at the jail because COVID. And because the, the, the judges are all not holding court because COVID. And I don't know if this is part of some grand plan or what, but crime is going through the roof. Oh, well, it's because everyone's laid off and nobody has money. Oh, right, right, right. So there's tons of unemployment right now. There's lots of people that are saying that they're looking for workers. But crime is up because COVID? No, no, no. Crime is up because we're not prosecuting people. Speaking of prosecuting people, I'm debating on starting a YouTube channel. I know. This is not something that a 43-year-old should say. This is something that a 19-year-old should say. I get it. And, and you know, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't really, I mean, I, I like podcasting because I don't have to deal with a camera and editing video and lighting and, and all that stuff. But this podcast isn't really taking off. I think people like YouTube, they like to see you, they like to interact, like live chats, they like live streaming. So I think I'm going to try it just because a lot of these YouTubers that I listen to or follow, they talk about how much money they make. And I'm not going to lie. It would be a fun job if I got paid the amount that those guys get paid. So if you want to see me start a YouTube channel, let me know. I need encouragement. It's not exciting to me. It'll just be me talking into the camera. Like it's going to be the same thing that I do here, but it will be live. So you'll be able to tune in. I'm going to try to do it. You know, hopefully at the same time, same dates when I make the schedule. And so you'll be able to see me and then I can even have like a live chat. So you can just hit me with questions. So, you know, I could do some talking. We could look at some video. You could ask questions. It's way more interactive. So I do like that idea because it's tough to just sit here and talk to yourself all the time. It's tough to sound fluid. It's tough to make it flow. So... Anyway, that's, that's kind of what I've been thinking about over the last six or seven weeks. Like, do I want to go forward with that? What all do I need to get? How much money is it going to cost me? How long will it take before it starts generating revenue? What do I cover? What do I talk about? I mean, do I specialize in something? I don't know. I feel like I'd kind of get bored of that. I feel like it's going to be pretty much the same thing here. I, t I talk about the things I think about, explain the things I know about. You know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of like a renaissance man, like jack of all trades, master of none. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm rambling now, but I'm telling you my thoughts. If you think I should not start a YouTube channel, I would like to hear that. If you think I should start one, I would like to hear that too. If you think I'm not going to be good at it, say, Brandon, you are too ugly for YouTube. You'll never make it. People will see that big red Viking beard and they'll just turn it off because they think that maybe something lives in there or something. I don't know. Either talk me into it or talk me out of it. You know how to find me 
<laughs> the only people who listen to this have my cell phone number anyway. You guys seen the milk crate challenge? Dude, this has probably been the most amazing challenge the internet's ever seen. <laughs> when I first saw it, so, so for those of you who live in a cave, uh, the milk crate challenge is basically it's a, it's a stack of milk crates that you have to walk across. So it starts out with one milk crate sitting on the ground. The next step is two milk crates. So you walk up like a little stair and then it goes all the way to seven and then it goes back down the other side. So it sounds simple, but the crates get real wobbly as and you get on the very top, they get super shaky and very few people can make it. And, <laughs> and when they collapse, you can't push off. You can't push yourself away from the milk crates because they all just collapse. So you fall straight down on top of the milk crates and man, when I first saw it, I thought, man, how are so many people trying this? It's like dangerous. Videos of people shattering their arm and breaking their leg and breaking their hip. And I thought, like, why would anyone try this? So then the other day I was at the brewery and Anthony, who's a homeless guy that works for us and he comes and mops and he cleans the bathroom. It is, it is a great relationship because we don't have to pay him full time. He comes and works three, four, five, six hours a week. And it's great. And so anyway, he was talking about, he said, man, my hand hurting. I go, what happened to your hand, Anthony? He goes, I tried that milk crate challenge. I go, wow, why in the world would you try that? He goes, they're going to pay me. I was like, who was going to pay you? He's like, these dudes that set it up. So I don't know how this whole thing works, but people are paying people to try it, which this is a whole new thing. This is a new, a new element, a new dimension to the challenges that I think um, is probably going to be more to come. Let's just say that. I think it's worked probably pretty well. Uh, the challenge has gone super viral. And I think people see that this model worked. And there will be another one. And people will pay people to try it. And it'll be dangerous. And then there will be some law that comes about and says we can no longer do this. So that's my theory. If you have not tried the milk crate challenge, don't. Do not try it. You will hurt yourself. You will either break your ribs or collarbone or tailbone or elbow. No matter what. I don't care what anyone tells you. Don't do it. I'm going to talk a little bit about Afghanistan. I know that everyone knows everything about it and that um, my opinion is just as worthless as the barbers. You know, what do I know about Afghanistan? Nothing. What do I know about military strategy and pulling people out and relocating and moving thousands of people. I know nothing about any of that. Neither does anyone else. So my opinion is not really more valid than, than the barbers, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Um, you know, everyone wants to sit around and, and, and just points the finger and blame somebody. And it's, it's human nature just to be like, well, it's Biden's fault. He, da, 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 da. And then the people who they don't support Biden, but the people who hate Trump, Say, no, it was Trump's fault. He did da 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 da. Instead of trying to figure out whose fault it was, why don't we just say what the problem was? It doesn't matter at this point whose fault it was. I mean, if we're trying to keep Biden from getting elected or reelected, if he if he lives that long, then yeah, sure, I understand trying to trying to peg the blame on him. But in reality, it's just a, it's lack of leadership. Whether, whether it was lack of leadership on Trump's part or Biden's part. See, we don't know enough of the details to be able to make that decision. People are so quick to, to, to I hate to use the word, but to judge and criticize when, when they don't know. You don't know what happened behind closed doors, what conversations went down, what we told the Taliban, what we, no one knows anything. So just relax. 
Don't, don't be so quick to blame this person or blame that person. But we have to look at it from a perspective of, okay, this was just the same thing that happened in Vietnam. So w- should we continue invading countries and sending thousands of troops over there to, to help stabilize them and, and to convince them to build a new form of government? And my answer is no. We should quit. We should stop being in the business of helping people restructure the government that we think works best for them. I am perfectly okay with us being the, the bully protector, right? If you've got a Saddam Hussein or a Hitler or a little Kim Jong-un ill, whatever his name is, like if you've got these people that are killing people and putting them in camps, then sure, you step in, destabilize, overthrow, and then turn and walk away and let them sort out the mayhem. You know, that, that's really all we should do. Trying to sit there and restabilize. Or, or maybe we could stay there and say, okay, guys, Build your government, elect your leader, wh- whoever's your corrupt guy, put him in charge, wherever your puppet is, and we're going we're gonna to walk away after that. Instead, we just we stay there and we keep the peace, and they get accustomed to that. In the meantime, whoever wants to overthrow the government or take over just, just sits and waits. They have all the time in the world. I was listening to a... a uh, a military leader, I don't know, general, sergeant, I don't know his title, but it was, uh, it was an audio clip, and he, it was from like 2012 or 13, kind of after 2011, we had killed, what's his name, oh, oh, Whistlebridge, Bin Laden, we, we killed him, and so we said, okay, now we're going to teach the, the Afghans how to run their military, and so we sent a bunch of special forces guys or contractors over there. And, and <laughs> I'm not going to try to find the clip, but this guy was saying like, you know, he's like, this was from day one. Remember, this was right after we, we went there. He said, look, guys, uh, these guys want no part of fighting. They don't want to fight for their country. They're not willing to fight on behalf of their government. They don't take this seriously. You know, we have all these guys that were paying them to be in the army. The U.S. was paying them to be in the army of their own country. We, we thought we would just pay them to persuade them to fight and keep them motivated. Well, they were there for a job. They weren't there to fight. So this one soldier who was training them said, look, he's like, these guys don't want to fight. They're here for the paycheck. They smoke hash all day. They get high. He said 90% of them are high all the time. They're not, they don't show up on time to things. They lose their equipment. They don't listen to instructions. He said, I don't feel safe giving them weapons. I can't make them do jumping jacks together. They think this is all a joke. And so he was expressing all of his frustrations. And he said, guys, the minute we leave this country, Taliban's taking over. He said, I don't care if it's now, next week, six years, 20 years. The minute we leave, Taliban's taking over. There's no sense in staying. What do we do? We have to stay to protect the people from the Taliban. What happens the instant we leave? The Taliban takes over. What's the solution? We shouldn't have invaded, but we did. We did. And it's just going to keep happening. We did it the same. We didn't learn anything from Vietnam. And, and I feel like the guys that are making the decisions now, they didn't see Vietnam firsthand. They don't understand what went wrong. They didn't learn from anything because they weren't part of it. You know, you've now got people that are serving in Afghanistan that weren't even alive when September 11th happened. You know, like, we got to draw a line at some point. Let them, let them sort it out. Let them blow themselves up. We can't protect everyone all the time from everything. So I'll leave it at that. The solution, in my opinion, is 
You get in, you destabilize, you kill, you overthrow, you get out. Let them sort it out. They're going to sort it out on their own eventually. You might as well save our tax dollars and our people's lives. So that kind of brings me to the last thing I'm going to talk about. Uh, recently, I guess there was, there was the bombing in Kabul at the airport. Well, 13 service people died, men and women. 13 of them died. It's a tragedy. It sucks. No one had died in, what, like 18 months, I think. But 13 people died. So all the, the breweries and bars all started this thing. They put out 13 glasses of beer, and they said that this table was reserved for the service men and women who died on that day in Kabul. And so everyone was asking, are we going to do that? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? I'm like, I feel like it's disingenuine. I don't think that people should do things because everyone else does them. And I can't remember if I talked about it on here or not, but this is the same way I felt after the, uh, the, the George Floyd situation. And all the breweries were expected to make a beer called Black is Beautiful so that we could show our support for the community and make black people known that, that we care about them. And my response was, no, we're not doing that because it feels disingenuine. Like to do something because everyone else is doing it is not showing any support. You're just following suit so you don't get ostracized. And so they, you know, some people at the brewery wanted to do it. I'm not going to name names, but it's the kind of people that are very, very worried about what people think about them. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I would rather people know the real me. And if you hate my guts, then that's your decision. You don't know me that well because I'm a good guy and I care about things. I care about people. I care about the people who lost their lives. It doesn't mean I don't care about them. I would venture to say that I care more about them. What about the 21 veterans who commit suicide daily. We don't do anything for those guys, you know? And so it just doesn't feel right. So I feel the same way about this situation. Like, I'm not going to put it out there. I'm not going to take a bunch of pictures and post them on the interweb and say, look at us. We're doing the same thing that everyone else did to, to honor our fallen servicemen and women. Like, no, you're not doing that. You're, you're copying something someone else did so that you won't have to explain to someone why you didn't do it. I mean, how, how much more disingenuine could you be? You know, sure, people may walk in the brewery and they may think, oh, well, that's, that's nice of them to do that. And maybe they don't know about the trend. But I don't feel that we deserve credit for that because we didn't think of it. It wasn't our idea. You wouldn't tell that to a customer. You would just say, oh, well, thanks. Thank you. You know? So, yeah, feels fake. They did it at the brewery. We told them no pictures on social media. And that's it. So if people want to hate me because I didn't just jump on that trend, that's fine. You know, people have hated me for a lot less. Let's just put it that way. You know, it's like I always say that if you do good things and you're good to people, you don't have to follow trends and, and do what everyone else does. The word will get around. You know, that's a good place to work. It's a good place to go. They're, they're, they're all about their employees. They take care of their people. They care. They care about people. They don't have to put it on display and post pictures on social media. So there's two different types of reputations to earn. Those who follow and those who lead. Take your pick. I prefer to lead. And if, if I get criticized because I don't follow, welcome to my world. I've been doing it since I was two. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. Man, this was a long one. I know. I hope, uh, I hope you guys are happy that I'm back. I hope you guys go out and buy some crypto. 
I appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I would love to hear from you guys. I think it's time to rebrand this thing from Life in Paradise to something else. I was just being lazy, continuing it on an old channel. But if you have any names for what you think the new podcast should be, let me know. I feel like if you've listened, you have an idea, you know how I work. Some outside creativity would be much appreciated. Once again, thanks for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Go out there, be brave, don't follow people, stand up for what you believe in, learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. You don't always have to share your opinions. Sometimes you can keep them to yourself. Make friends, not enemies. Thanks for listening. Keep it drinky, though.